There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Susanna Constantine, and this is my wardrobe malfunction, the podcast where we begin talking about clothes, but sometimes get our knickers in a right old twist, quite literally. Those of you who heard last week's episode with Emma Barnett may remember our little discussion about whether or not one is meant to wear knickers under our pyjama bottoms. Emma said absolutely, and I was not so sure. Anyway, the question triggered a heated debate on Woman's Hour this morning and all over the national and international newspapers and social media. We went on to conduct our first ever My Ward Mal poll and found that 32% of sleepers wear knickers in PJs, while 68% go commando. So now we know. Can I just say that this is the kind of highbrow agenda-setting conversation you won't get anywhere else, not even on Desert Island Discs or more or less, and certainly not in our time with Melvin Bragg. But enough about that and on to today's special guest for episode 56, which is our season's finale. It's designer, entrepreneur, author of the fantastic new book, If In Doubt, Wash Your Hair, and undisputed queen of handbags, Anya Heimach. So let's grab the handles, open my wardrobe doors and find out what's inside. So today um, I'm speaking to one of my icons and funnily enough, I don't have a single one of her handbags, Anya Heinmarch. Um, and it is Anya Heinmarch. You, you are amazing and you brought out the most fabulous book, uh, which has just come out and has been in the top 10 bestseller list on, in the Sunday Times for about three weeks, well, since it came out. Is that right? don't know the stats we did make the Sunday time bestseller list I think we were number nine out of ten which is kind of good because I was always watching the class so it felt rather appropriate but yes we made it kind of big moment I'm sure a lot of people have said this to you but it is like having you next to me you talk about in the book about how you love walking and how you go with one of your best friends and you do it three times a week and you walk for an hour and you do 10,000 steps which I don't believe because I can't do that running but anyway um and it's just it's like all this amazing advice that you give and think that some of them are quite obvious but at the same time they're things that we never talk about or never discuss and it's you know having read it on so many levels I sort of felt less alone good good well I mean first of all I think we before we even delve into that though but don't we have to just work out why you don't have one of my handbags I mean, shame on you. I don't know. I probably did. A lot. No, actually, you know what? I lie. I have. I do have a gold one, and it sort of looks a bit like a gold croissant. Okay. And it must be about 25 years old, and I, lo- I do have that, and I love okay. it. Okay, that you're forgiven then, okay. <laughs> um, in answer to your question, um, well, it's funny, isn't it? I wrote this book because um, I, you know, I've done lots of talks to women in business and, and so on over the years, and it's interesting, at the end of the talk, people would come up to me and 
always ask me the question, you know, what's your best tip for a kind of busy working woman, busy working mum? And I would always rather laughingly say, you know, if in doubt, wash your hair. And I think the point is that actually you need to look after yourself, actually. I think that's the first thing. And I think also it has the word doubt in the title. And I think doubt is a really interesting subject, one that we're never terribly honest about, actually. So this book is very much... Um, talking about doubt from a sort of personal perspective, that the, the, the normal doubt that we all suffer, everyone, from the Prime Minister to everyone, um, and how it sort of snaked its way through my life, through the roles I have of mum and stepmom and um, woman in business and entrepreneur and, and you know, creative, um, and how actually I think we need to reframe doubt as a really positive thing. Um, so, um, so I wanted to write it really honestly and to, um, to write it as if I was writing to my daughter or a girlfriend, just sharing the bits that I've worked out, the bits I haven't worked out, the bits that I've struggled with, the bits that I kind of now realise actually aren't that important. Just to um, to be honest, I think it's really important, isn't it? You get to 50 and you actually think, you know what, um, we need to start kind of passing this stuff on. Because certainly lots of um, advice I've had from, from friends over the years has really helped me. So if we can kind of all put it down together, hopefully that will help the next generation. So that's really the point of it. Was that your question? I think so, more or less. <laughs> That's absolutely perfect. But it's interesting you talk about doubt like that. Do you think, I mean, you say it's a positive thing. Um, how do you see it as a positive thing? Is it a bit of a break so it makes you think before you leap? Yeah, I think it keeps you safe. You know, if, if you're about to do something and, and that little gremlin on your shoulder is sort of saying, you know, don't mess up or, you know, don't, don't go, you know, don't be too long or don't be late or um, actually what that's doing is just checking you. And, you know, whilst that can... You can sometimes feel like it's undermining you or it might trip you up. Actually, it's there to keep you safe. So I think, you know, you learn that that little gremlin of doubt is on your shoulder to keep you safe. And you can actually adjust the volume and you can kind of go, it's OK, I've got this. Um, so I think doubt is, is actually quite good at sort of making you the best version of yourself in many ways. Um, and I think it's important to also know that everyone has it. I think that's the bit that no one's very honest about. Um, and I think that the more, you know, we can all kind of go, yeah, we all suffer that, everyone. And I know everyone does, it's just a fact. I mean, if you didn't, it would be terrifying. <laughs> um, so I think it's really about that, um, you know, that sort of sharing that piece of single piece of important information, really, as much as anything. You're so right. I think that, you know, women are, were fed so much bullshit in terms of, I think, I, for me, one of the worst terms is you can have it all. And I really don't believe that. I don't, you've got to sacrifice things somewhere. But again, going back to your book, it's kind of in a gentle way, you do suggest that you can have it all. Do you, do you really no, believe that? I also that? talk about the fact that, you know, the Sister Angela example where my first day at school in a convent and Sister Angela said, and it was a generous piece of advice, she said, you know what, girls, I want to give you one really important bit of advice on your first day at school which is if you accept that you'll never be fully satisfied, you'll have a very happy life indeed. And actually, I think having it all is, is a, such a it's, a, it's a difficult phrase. And I think that you're never fully happy or very rarely moments of being, you know, really happy. And But that's as good as it gets. And I think we need to reframe our expectations um, because otherwise I, th I think that sometimes, um, you know, there's, there's so much sort of pressure to feel that life should be perfect. Life isn't perfect. Life isn't always fair. It's navigating your way through those obstacles and challenges and and you know hopefully coming out you know healthy and well and solvent um and working out what makes you happy i think there's, there's a lot of the expectations need to be um 
reassessed actually. Um, so I think having it all is, is completely unrealistic and, and unlikely. And if that's your aim, then you're always going to be unhappy. So that's, that's, that's you know, rethink it a bit. Yeah. Hopes high, expectations low. I think that's, that's the thing. That's, that's how, what the mantra I live my life by. But you, I mean, also another thing I loved that you said about, you know, how difficult you find it to engage in small talk. And yet, you've, you know, I've listened to you on, I know it's not so much small talk and it's one-on-one, but you're so eloquent. You know, you've been doing a lot of podcasts and obviously you do a lot of talks and things, but you're so eloquent and I'm surprised you find small talk difficult. Well, thank you for that. Um, I think that, that it's that inane chat, I mean, a, a meaty conversation I love. It's, I'm just very bad at kind of cocktail party chat. Um, I mean, I genuinely wish I was better at it because I think it's a real skill. Um, my husband, for example, is brilliant at it and will chat to... You know, to anyone about anything, I feel totally trapped and sort of scared that I'm boring people. It's just not my it's not my skill set. But you know, sit me down and have a deep conversation or a good sort of chat over dinner. I love so it's just a little insecurity I have. I'm I'm not very good at that sort of that sort of you know chat that doesn't you know my friend calls it tiny talk. You know where you're just sort of getting nowhere. Um, so I think that's you know that's who I am, and I don't I don't have that skill. But some people do, and brilliant. And I, I wish they taught it at school. Frankly, yeah, I wonder how useful it is today because we really we've transferred that small talk onto our telephones in tech so I become very lazy at actually having conversations with people on the telephone I'd much rather just wing a text and I you know I do sometimes feel that that's replaced the small talk that that you'd have a, a do I don't know I think in a funny way text is there's a reason it's it's a you know what time are you arriving for me or you know it's, it's often it's it's actually sort of, mm-hmm. you know an, an important exchange of, of information the tiny talk for me is when you're sort of standing around at some sort of cocktail party and and you're not really sort of getting anywhere with anything it's just sort of I'm, I'm not very good at that sort of um that piece of it I mean I love a voice note now that's my it's one of my, my best ways actually I find exhausting writing a long text it's just quite good to drop a voice note which I think is always really good but um listen everyone's different I mean I wish I was better at small talk maybe I'll just try a bit harder <laughs> Go to go to tiny talk school. No, you know, you, like you say, you can't be good. You know, you can't be good at everything. And um, and the other thing I loved that you said was that, um, or someone else said, I can't remember the name of, of the. It was a man who said, um, the brain is for having ideas, not holding on to them. For me, that that was a real light bulb moment when I read that. It was when I heard it too, and I think that's the point that. I tried to kind of gather lots of things that have made a difference to me. Um, I'm fascinated by the nerdy subject of organisation, and I used to apologise for it, and now I actually fully embrace it. And finally, I think that's what handbags are. It is about organisation, really. It's about taking your things with you and having what you need and about being organised. And I think there's a real art in organisation. And, um, and you know, you don't have to be the complete fun tampon, as my children can, can refer to me sometimes when I'm quite organised. <laughs> Thanks. But, um, but, you know, but actually being disorganized is uncomfortable. You know, that's when you're leaning on people at the last moment. Mm. And, but there's also that idea. And it was great that this, this course that I did where we actually had them to talk at in our stores over a few days where they, you know, they suggest that your, your brain and same with your inbox, they actually say interestingly, but your brain is for receiving ideas, which should immediately be put into a different place so that you're not having to hang on to an idea. So you're not wasting your energy going don't forget to buy that don't forget to buy that on the way home don't forget to buy that because then you're thinking that and you're not actually receiving ideas in so they they train you to yes receive the idea grab it catch it 
and store it somewhere. And they would they would argue on a on a, on a list which is um, I mean, there's such a there's so, it's quite a little complexity to, to their system. But actually, even if you take ten percent of it, it's it's really game changing. Um, so yes, I think that is right. Keep your head for ideas and anything you need to remember, write that down. And the relief, even if you haven't done the task that it's captured on captured on a piece of paper and you won't forget it is is great. So um I, I love I love those nerdy organizational tips. <laughs> I am the most disorganized person on the planet. And really? um, so for me that was really helpful. Yeah, totally disorganized. Um but to to i I'm organized for on behalf of other people, but not for myself. But what I love that when you talk about the list making and it's how you compartmentalize. So whether it's financial, whether it's something you can do now, it's in front of you, or whether it's something you're going to do at home because you are at home, and then on another list you put what you're going to do at work the next day. I, to me, that was just so useful. But it makes sense, doesn't it? And that I've completely learned that from them. But um, it makes sense because actually, there's no point staring at a list at work. And filtering through actions, you can only do at home because that basically wastes time. So if you've got actions, you can just they, they talk about sort of place specific action lists um, and, and, and or it can be people specific action lists. So things I need to talk to my husband about or things I need to talk to my head of production about, for example. So that can work quite well. Um, I mean, it gets incredibly sophisticated, the system they teach. And actually, I haven't been able to adopt all of it because it just it, it's sort of in a way, I think I'm so set with my sort of muscle memory of how I do things that in a funny way it's quite hard to, to shift I actually think they should teach this this you know the best practice organization at school and the reason I actually found these people called next action associates is because actually my son who's a lawyer who is a lawyer who in his first week of training um, at Freshfields he was given best practice inbox management and I thought wow that's amazing I'd love to kind of know more about that and and these people came in and, and, and talked him through you know for example when an email comes in, you should never leave it in your in your inbox. It should go immediately to, you know, it might be a to do at your phone or to do tomorrow or, you know, there's a lovely example where, you know, you might have ordered something for delivery and you'll receive the kind of confirmation. You don't want to bin it in case it doesn't arrive. So it clogs up your inbox. So this is such a nerdy chat, but I'm loving this. Um, so they suggest that you have a sort of deliveries sort of file on the left and you shove them all in there. So if it doesn't arrive, you, you've got it but it doesn't clog up your own box. There's little tiny tips like that. It's another tip I loved, which is about getting things done, which is um, if you have that thing on your to-do list, which you just keep getting blocked on. So for example, there's a broken lamp and you know, you're just somehow still sitting there. You used to keep looking on your list and it's still sitting in the hall. And they say, break it down into tasks. So actually, what's the next, mm. the next action? And the next action is actually ring the electrician or try a new bulb so break it down to us which is then you're much more unlikely to unblock it and to move it on so um anyway oh the fashion life i lead hey with all these exciting tips on on light bulbs but you know it's kind of it's a really interesting subject <laughs> the other thing that i loved is about your take on emotional intelligence and um i mean that's that again i again i completely agree i think that's the most valuable thing you can have especially today where the world is so small and, you know, there's such a kind of desire to be so highly educated. Um, and I think that sets people apart and I don't think it's something you can learn. But also if, I'm interested that you are obviously someone who is highly emotionally intelligent, but I never put emotional intelligence with being organised. <laughs> okay. So how are you <laughs> really able to question. be emotionally intelligent <laughs> and organised? 
That's a very selfish question that I'm asking. <laughs> I, do, I think the two things are entirely different. So, I mean, the dream for me would be to have IQ and EQ. You know, I'd love to be, you know, um, uh, to have both of those. Um, I don't think I don't think EQ is is you know sort of is, is repels or or conflicts at all with with organisation. I think that um, organisation, to a certain extent, is a discipline actually, um, and um, and I think it's about you know it's planning ahead and it's um, you know making sure you're sort of scanning the diary. When I, I do really boring things, because I always work on a Sunday afternoon and I just sort of scan the weeks ahead and just kind of, you can see problems coming up, you can kind of solve them then, you kind of get all the presents done, you kind of run through the emails you didn't deal with last week, so you sort of start Monday like afresh. And so it's about, sometimes about discipline. And actually, I think those um, habits are really interesting. I'm fascinated by the subject of habits, actually, and how you change your habits and make habits. Mm. Um, because actually, if you can adopt some of those habits, and I've, I've had to adopt habits uh, it can make life easier. So, but I don't think it's to do with EQ. But I do think EQ is hugely important. And I see, I think we all see, don't we, in in, in um, certainly in work situations, but in all situations, the fact that you know people who can be highly clever, but they can be clumsy, maybe with um, you know managing people or um, you know being sort of sympathetic or or um, you know open to the way other people work, and and it becomes if if people are you know, not, if they don't have an element of EQ, I think then you often tend to sort of either have to sort of do a bypass and work around the sort of the, around things or or, or often it doesn't work out. So no, EQ is pretty imperative, I think, in a work situation. Um, so I would always pick EQ if I had to choose, but I'd, I'd love both in an ideal world. And talking about habits, um, you, you one of your habits is to have major wardrobe clear-outs. Isn't that right? You, how, do, how do you go about clearing and organising your wardrobe? Well, I think it just the reason I do it is it just makes life easier again. So there's nothing worse than going into your wardrobe and it's hot outside and all you've got is winter coats because, again, it's a bit like the emails are just sifting through um, things that, you know, just waste time. And I think that um, someone once taught me that actually if you, um, you know, maybe every six months or every four months you just actually put all the right clothes that are kind of weather-specific sort of in front of your nose as opposed to the ones that aren't, um, and actually you go through your wardrobe and work out outfits and actually there's someone um, explained that if you if you you know you work out an outfit you get it and you put it together with the shoes every single aspect of it and photograph it keep it in your phone and have a, an album called outfits um, then actually when you're thinking what can I wear to a board meeting the next day what can I wear to some event or whatever it might be you can flick through those sort of ready-made ones that work and 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 pick what you want to wear as opposed to sort of start again and actually you know, be sitting on the, the bedroom floor having a sort of a sort of nightmare about not being able to find the right thing. So Meltdown. It, exactly, it does sort of help. Um, so I think all, all those sort of planning tips are just, you know, just practically useful. Um, and um, and that's how they work in, you know, very much in fashion. It's it's organised. And so for me, for a, a business trip, you know, you know, all of us on a holiday, the fact that you've actually kind of worked out the outfits and you're not taking unnecessary things and you've kind of got it down pat just makes life easier, really. I think also just, you know, it's important when you're busy, you just need to have these things all done and dusted. That's so right. When we were, Trini and I were working, you know, working abroad and like we'd, have, we'd be away from home for a month and filming every day for a month. And it would be exactly that is working out every single outfit with the shoes, the jewellery, everything, and then putting them in a little clothing bag and packing it. And life was so easy then, and I need to readopt that principle <laughs> because it's, it is so useful rather than everything being chucked. 
it's an effort. I think sometimes it's quite good to, you know, I mean, the dream is you have someone who does that for you. And when, when you do it professionally, then it's sort of, it makes sense to have, you know, people have a stylist who come in and they, they don't just style, but they also help you organize all of that. But I think, you know, you can do it with a friend as well. And actually you can be each other's sort of tag team. And actually you go in and kind of go, you're not wearing that. That doesn't look good. And you, you actually sort of, you know, you do it for each other. And um, sometimes just putting the effort in and it feels like it's a silly thing because in some ways it is, but actually it takes a lot of headspace, all that stuff. Um, none of which we will have time for often. So it actually, again, it's about being organised, isn't it, really? Back to the same old subject, aren't we? My goodness. <laughs> no, but it's so true because I think, and you know, being organised does simplify your life. And certainly, you know, as we get older, speaking for myself, but you want your life to become more, more simple. And by being organised, you know, whether you're still running a huge business like you are or you're writing like I am, um it's like it's just the the simple things and and by being organized you have to you you they free you up to do the simple things that give you pleasure no i think that's absolutely right i think it's absolutely right and i think in some ways covid is just so horrible and and you know it's nothing good at all from covid so many horrible tough stories but i think that um actually for a lot of us also that idea of not having to um be so busy um, and just taking quite a lot of those sort of pressures away, there was there was a, a joy in that in some respects. And um, so I think we all need to learn from that, really. It's important. So going back to your childhood, Anya, you were to a convent in Essex. And um, wh- how old were you when you started getting an interest in fashion clothing? Or was that something that evolved with your bags? Well, I think I always loved... Um, Actually, craftsmanship actually was my sort of starting point more than fashion. And I always used to make things and um, and that was, you know, interesting to me. But when I was about 14 or 15, my mother gave me one of her secondhand handbags. And I remember how it made me feel. And I think that's the bit that's really interesting in fashion. It's how mood changing it can be and how it can make you feel a bit sort of empowered and you sort of stand a bit straighter and sort of smile with your eyes. And, and that's the bit that interests me, actually. The sort of fashion for fashion's sake uh, is not so interesting. I think fashion when it's just about status and look at me, I've got this new expensive thing, that's not interesting either. Mm. And actually more and more, um, I care about two things. One is is the empowerment of how you feel because that's you know self-expression and it's all those important things. But also fashion with purpose actually is what I care about. You know, why are you buying something? Um, what's it doing? Is it making you feel great? That's great, that's, that's reason enough. But you know, is it making a difference? Is it you know recycling materials? Is it donating to a project or a charity or, or an idea? So. I think that um, fashion started with craftsmanship, but has really sort of actually grown into um, a bit of a passion for using the platform of fashion in a way to, um, you know, if, if, if it's grandiose, but to affect change in some ways, because fashion does really, um, it does communicate in a very noisy way. You know, when we did the I'm a Plastic Bag project, you know, it was using that platform to actually you know, try to persuade people to, to, to behave differently. And, you know, if you think that fashion persuades people to go from, you know, cigarette pants to, you know, to, to flares, you know, it can absolutely make you behave very differently. You know, it's very viral. Suddenly everyone will be wearing the same thing because of, because of fashion. So it's very, um, it's very sort of persuasive um, industry. And so I think using that in a way for good is, is quite exciting. I mean, that must be you know again from your book it seems to be that that's one of your as much your priority now as it is uh designing bags and of course your the village which is such an inspired idea um tell me tell me more about that the village um well the village um has been a sort of passion project for about two years now um 
And it's funny because I think, you know, in this time when we've got, you know, 10 years to fix our planet, which is pretty terrifying. Um, and, you know, we're all trying to work out what feels right for this next sort of important chapter. Um, and the word globalization has sort of been the backdrop to my entire career. You know, it's all been about global supply chains and global distribution and global everything. Um, and actually, I, I think the next 10 years is going to be more about localization, actually. And, and, you know, people coming together as communities. I think we saw that in COVID. I think that's actually really satisfying. I think the idea of jumping on a plane to Tokyo for three days, which I've done more times than I care to admit to, um, is going to feel actually really, you know, wrong. Well, it is wrong, really, in terms of um, carbon footprint. Um, so I wanted to open this little village, which also responded, I think, to the changes in in retail and, and um sort of bricks and mortar retail versus, you know, the sort of the new um, uh, digital world. You know, what is the point of having a shop um, if it doesn't offer something different from what you can get online? So um, I sort of felt I actually wanted to reduce uh, footprint of shops, which was about 60 stores, um, and to not have stores in Singapore, Malaysia and New York and LA and all over the world, because in a funny way that didn't feel terribly authentic. I felt I wanted to actually reach the world digitally and, and occasionally with with pop-ups and events and, and, and fun things, but to actually make the physical world smaller but really authentic, where I was very involved and there changing the windows every day and meeting my customers and there's a cafe and uh, and we've got all these... It's, in a way, an excuse to pour all of our creativity into this little village, um, which, you know, perhaps is a bit of a replacement for us for sort of Fashion Week in some senses as well because it's more direct to... Our customers as opposed to the, to the industry so it sort of addressed a number of things for me changes with the digital versus the physical changes in terms of um fashion week perhaps versus actually direct to consumer um and actually this idea of authenticity and 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 creativity being something that i think is still really relevant in a sort of physical form um so it's i mean i also mostly just do things through guts to be honest I often think about them afterwards as, as to why you have to kind of I think entrepreneurs respond to kind of what they feel more than what they think, mostly, certainly initially. Um, so we opened, in answer to your question, we opened this little, what we call a village in Pont Street, which is the home of my first ever store. And um, we opened sort of most of the, the shops in the street. So it's a collection of five little stores, both sides of the road, with a little cafe there, the Anya Cafe, um, which is like an English cafe, but in a really gorgeous way with really amazing ingredients. And, and it's sort of, it's quite fun. Um, and we've got what we call the Village Hall, which is one of the stores, is is forever changing. So we opened it um, for its launch um, as uh, a pop-up hair salon, which we, we called um, Shampoo and Therapy, because we sort of felt post-lockdown, uh, everyone just needed to meet with their girlfriends, have a delicious cocktail or a cup of coffee, and actually have a head. It was just, just you know, it was, just, it was fun. It's what I wanted to do myself. So, um, so that space will change um, sort of every six weeks. Um, with new concepts and it actually allows us to design in a different way we're designing not to seasons and dates we're designing to what we're feeling and what we're excited by so it's changed the whole kind of cadence of our business actually so it's a number of things that we've sort of we've addressed but it's um it's really fun i love it i've been there most of the morning and um, it's just fun hanging out with like my village people or my gang there which is lovely but also with the customers and just chatting and getting that feedback as well um, and eating too much cake probably it's the only problem too many cocktails <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> You're so right. I think, you know, communities, especially in the countryside, I live in, in, um, in Sussex and grew up in the countryside, and... As we all know, you just see communities breaking down all around you and it is finding things to garner the community and to help the next generation who basically just want to piss off because there's nothing for them here. And I wonder, is this is this a, um, a model that you want to roll out or maybe if you don't want to do it personally, you know, under your own name, that you'll try and get other retailers to adopt? Um, to be honest, I don't want to roll it out because in a funny way, the whole point is it's just that and it's really authentic. And so I rolled out stores before and I, this is my anti-rollout in a funny way. Just, I want this to be authentic and where I really am every day. It's two streets away from where I live. You know, it's just it's, it's mm. where I am. Um, I think, though, that the community piece is really important. I think we've all realised that actually community is a sort of natural social service, isn't it? You know, it's been very sweet in my street here mm, that, um, you know, the sort of local WhatsApp group, which is a new thing since sort of COVID, you know, if someone needs their medicine collected and they've got a bad hit, then one of us will go and do it. Or um, it's actually it was almost too much. We're now celebrating every birthday in the street. <laughs> We're like, whoa, guys, <laughs> calm down. I've already got five children. Um, but, you know, it's lovely. It's so lovely. And honestly, I think that, you know, where there are a, a moment, which will be loads of weddings and gosh, funerals used to say what, but I think that the, the outpouring of the street and the commitment now to this community is really important. Um, so I think we've all relearned community, actually, and that, that again, that localization piece. You know, villages were for a reason, weren't they? They're about safety. Um, they're about, you know, looking after each mm. other. They're about meeting your future husband. They're about sharing food in the tough times. They're, you know, there's, there's loads of reasons for villages. It's a very natural source of protection, really. So I think that we've sort of got to this lovely kind of global traveling independent world but actually probably that structure of, of a community and of a village is is and, and of local is really important to to being happy actually um so i don't know i haven't sort of thought through too much but i, I definitely sort of there's definitely some things that, that have sort of become quite clear to me during this time and actually i also think the other thing that's interesting is cities are inevitably going to empty out a bit because you know so many kids you know can't afford to get on the property ladder in london and yet they need to be in London for work. Now with this more flexible remote working, which I think and hope is here to stay, because it's mad that everyone's on this, you know, the bus together at, you know, or the train together at nine in the morning. That's just, what's the point? And actually, if they can work flexibly or, or remotely, then actually it allows people perhaps to live a bit further out. And then those communities start again. And I'm seeing this in my kids' friends who are starting to kind of go, actually, let's live in Bath. You know, what about Brighton? Actually, let's go to the countryside. And then actually you get all these little communities of people even working together, but reporting into different companies, but based out in, you know, I don't know, Somerset. Uh, and if they need to come in three days a week to London, that's two nights in London, staying with friends, and actually they're living more out than in. So it, it's, you know, at times when people need nice working offices rather than sharing 
three Zoom calls with their flatmates at the same kitchen table, which is not very possible. So it's all going to change. And I think this community piece is really important and quite exciting, actually. They're quite significant changes. I think you're right. And I really hope it is the case because it's, it's you know, the countryside is it's dying. But what I love is the fact that you've kind of given it, there's a resurgence which has started in Pont Street, you know, in the heart of London, ironically. And it's it's something that needs to be going on in rural areas, but you're the person who's who's given it that platform again. And I really, I really salute you for that. I, th- I think from that perspective, you know, aside from being you know wonderful place to go and meet your friends and everything, I think it's 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 going to be hugely um, impactful on. Well, it's communities. interesting. Well, I, no, I think it's right. And I think so many empty units, and it breaks my heart literally looking at you, any high street mm. or any street in London right now. There's literally so many empty units. But I think I'm, I'm a, well, I'm a terribly positive person though because I think to a certain extent, a lot of those businesses were probably a bit threatened by, by the sort of digital world. So therefore they probably needed to, it's what I felt, you know, two years ago when we, when we sort of looked at the business and thought, actually, this is no longer a particularly modern way to operate. We, you can't, you know, when things change and things do change, you know, when you go from cart horses to cars or from swords to machine guns, you're not going to go back. You know, and those those are those are exciting changes actually, and and I'm not sure about the machine guns, but they're they're sort of progress to a certain extent. So we have to accept that. And I think if you cling on to what was old, you know, you're playing the violin on the Titanic, aren't you? A bit. We need to move on. Mm. So I think a lot of casualties was tragic and costing jobs, which is heartbreaking. But they probably were going to go anyway at some point. So it sort of expedited that that situation. And I hope and believe actually that what will happen is. You know, who wouldn't, who is a creative in London or someone with an idea wouldn't love to take an empty shop somewhere in London, perhaps at a slightly reduced rent because landlords are, you know, thinking differently these days. And it will regenerate in a really exciting way with new ideas that are more appropriate for the next, you know, 20 years. So I think it'll happen incredibly quickly. Um, and, and I think actually villages and the countryside, but same thing will happen there. It's kind of putting people in an, in a position to think creatively and to come up with ideas and, and you know here again it's like seeing stores that have been known to be only been London centric and now moving out to the more rural areas and employing local people and I, I do agree I think it's you know it's a very positive move but we've gone so far off sorry, sorry. You, which is hilarious <laughs> no it's not it's you I'm just fascinated by by you know your thought process and how it's so much bigger than your your bags. I mean, your bags are iconic and they've been worn by everybody from the Princess of Wales to Kim Kardashian. Um, so it's you're you're an innovator. You are an innovator, and I hope you see that about yourself because you you are you do come across as a very modest person. I don't know. I think I think that I love. I mean, I love. I think creativity is really important, and I think. Creative ideas are, you know, what will solve many of our challenges, I think. Um, you know, I mean, you know, I think if we think about the challenges we have with our planet, I'm sure, you know, we need to change the way we behave. We need to use less carbon. We need to offset and come up with different solutions. We need to, to, to you know, but we, I'm sure there will be a creative solution that will it will add into the mix when we're going to need one. Um, so I'm such a believer in creativity. And I, I, I suppose creativity for me is is sort of as important, more important probably than fashion. Fashion is a is almost a byproduct and is a form of self-expression and an art form in many ways. Um, but I think that I, I love being creative. I feel lucky that I'm in the most creative city in the world, I think, um, you know, with some of the best creative education. And I think that some of the 
um, the sort of the it's a very fertile um, sort of legal structure and breeding ground for, for crazy ideas and some of the ideas we've had from floating 29 giant you know double decker bus sized helium heart-shaped balloons over the city are welcomed because people are like great let's do it you know and that's so exciting and and I think one idea leads to another idea and hopefully everyone inspires everyone it's a sort of melting pot of mad creativity so bring it on really that's what's going to solve problems I think bring it on indeed and you are you so now you're not traveling so much and uh it must be quite a relief for you because a you know obviously the terrible jet lag jet lag but i did read your solution to jet lag about taking half sleeping pill at four o'clock in the morning at that terrible time when you wake up completely alert but you need to carry on sleeping but do you find i mean you you talk about um very openly about the panic panic attacks that you've suffered has this sort of change in pace? I'm assuming you have a slight change in pace, especially in terms of traveling. Has that helped with your levels of anxiety? Um, well, so I don't know if it was much panic attacks, but I used to have a, a sort of terrible, I used to do a bit of hyperventilation, so I can remember words today, it's Friday. Um, and, mm. and, and that was be like a sort of stress response to just, you know, just having too much on, I think probably, and, and finding ways to sort of manage that. And I think everyone has their version of that, which, you know, might be, you know, I don't know, there's loads of different sort of versions of, of just being, I suppose it is anxiety, absolutely. Um, and I think that, um, yes, being less, you know, trying to fit less in, and I think to a certain extent, COVID has made us sort of more grounded. We haven't, you're not mixing in the jet lag and the prep for all those trips and the, um, you know, and, 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 and so on is, is certainly helpful. Um, I don't seem to be any less busy, I'll be honest, we've been so busy. Yeah, I but I yeah. do, I have enjoyed a slightly um, more sort of anchored, um, period absolutely and I, and I feel guilty talking about nice things that have come out of COVID because I know for so many people it's been so awful but I think actually a lot of people have probably had some benefits I'm sure um, so yes I think that it's made me understand that actually probably just sort of slightly pulling back I mean for example I would so often be asked to go and you know meet someone who might be a customer or a friend and I would go meet them and you know you'd go there and you'd arrive and you'd find the table and you'd say hi and you'd go through the sort of preamble and actually you realize by the time you finish your coffee what they really want is you know, work experience for a daughter and that's all fine and great but that's an hour or hour and a half out of your day whereas actually now you can zoom with someone and kind of go great you know what do you want let me let me make it happen hopefully um so i think that you know there are ways now where we can actually think that certain things can be done without you know schlepping somewhere you lose that time you lose that um the cost you lose the the the, the you know the the energy both you know to the planet and to us um so i think and hope that there will be some things that we all we all stick with through this um, and, and to a certain extent, they've been in place for so long now that, you know, it is second nature to most of us to jump on a Zoom call or, you know, it's amazing. I've done so many sort of, you know, I did, I did Amonpour show, you know, but from my kitchen table, you know, it was a pretty high tech sort of, you know, sort of situation. But literally, I was like, whoa, you know, and they're sort of counting you down. Mm. Says, you know, we've all learnt to do things that we would never have done. So I think that actually some really good stuff that's... Um, that we will keep and, and stick with through this. And certainly I would very much like that. I mean, I'm working from home today and that's, you know, that's fantastic. I mean, I'm working absolutely back to back, but I know that my child's downstairs and, you know, it meant I had, I had a sandwich with him at lunch and that was actually important. Um, so I, I really hope that we, we keep, you know, even if it's 10%, 20% of what we've, uh, of some of the changes. When you were traveling and with your, you know, your, um, I guess, anxiety slash fear, did you ever have or do you have a comfort blanket, something that isn't a handbag, something that, you know, makes you feel safer, that you take with you everywhere? 
I love a list. <laughs> How sad is that? But I like that oh thing where... Oh, my God. No, no, no. Okay, but hear woman. me out. Hear me out. I know. Hear me out. My point is I like sometimes li- listing things I want to do with the kids. That might be the seven wonders of the world or it might be um, that I want to plan a, you know, last night was my son's who just finished school, like what I want to do. So it's like sort of in a way that, that a pen and a pencil, I suppose, is my comfort blanket because I love that idea of, of writing down things I want to do and, and and then sort of, you know, making them hopefully happen. So there'll be that. Uh, what else is my comfort blanket? I mean, God, so many things. That's good. <laughs> comfort blanket. Yeah, that's good. Something you, you can't live without. I think that's, you know, and that's something that I can imagine does make you feel safe because you've got, got chaos going on around you. At least you've got your list. <laughs> that makes me sound so sad don't pull that out it's just one of those headline Slightly quotes Anya's, sad. <laughs> Anya's comfort blanket as a list it's more that I can you know anyway I'm not even going to defend it I am loser I'm a total loser whatever don't I've made peace why with should that. you I think it's brilliant <laughs> and my love have you ever stopped anyone who's been carrying your handbags in public and and sort of said god it's so nice to see you carrying one of my bags I have actually. It's always a bit disconcerting, I think, for the person that you do it to because I think they first of all think you're about to steal their handbag and secondly they think you're a bit of a weirdo. But I have because it is really exciting, of course. When you when you work on something from concept to drawing to sample to second sample, third sample, make it into the materials and then you make it and you deliver it, to actually see it then being enjoyed and worn, hopefully as you had sort of envisaged it, is is actually is is really lovely. And that's the joy of making things, you know, it's so nice. So I have, yes, but I think mostly they think I'm a bit of an oddball. <laughs> I mean, I know you have your big holdalls and we all need a holdall, especially when we're traveling. But with phones, where we've got everything on our phone, whether it's, you know, we can pay by our phones, we can record on our phones, we can watch television on our phones, we can listen to the radio on our phones. Do you think bags are going to get smaller and smaller? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I just, I think the phone is the most genius thing because it's, you know, as you say, it's your photograph album, your diary, all the things that were separate items in your handbag. Um, and how great I love being hands-free it's my absolute joy in fact one of the things we did is a, a project called pimp your phone which is where you know it comes with a case with with the little um, d-rings on the side and you can wear your phone so it's just so easy to grab and it you know it's it's lovely to be hands-free um, but also I mean one of our best-selling pieces during lockdown was actually something called the everything pouch which you can slide your phone into you can actually use through it's a transparent transparent tpu it's a type of um, material that actually is uh, biodegrades but actually you can use the phone through it and write a message and so on um, and it has a space for your glasses and your keys and it's just everything's like the guts of your handbag so if you're going out of the house that's all you need if you're walking the dog and your hands free and it's bliss you know and you feel it's liberating and you can march around the park so those things I think we will rethink and, and to a certain extent fashion is all about reflecting our needs and what we need to to, to move around I think the way we travel um a lot of people are cycling, you know, a lot of people are um, thinking about how they move around cities and so on. So, you know, bags will reflect that 100%. Mm. I mean, I, when I go to London, I take a bag, but I don't think I've carried a bag for day, on a day-to-day basis for 15 years now. But I am. What's it called, that bag? I'm literally going to go online after this. The, what's it called? The everything pouch. And by the way, literally, yeah. it comes in, everything pouch. Is it sold out? It probably is, but we're getting more in. I'll let you know because it comes in, it sells out, comes in, sells out. And it's part of what we call our label collection, which is literally where, I mean, I actually you know what, my comfort blanket, I'm going to change it. I'm taking away the loser list message. Okay. would be a labeling machine, which makes me only more <laughs> loserville because I would label everything in my life, including my children, you know, one, two, three, four, five, um, everything. I love it. I feel so completely in control when most of my life is out of control. Um, and so um, it's a label collection, which is this series of kind of, 
I suppose, wash bags in a way. It's like a system and everything has a... We've just designed one called the home office, which I don't know, most of us are moving from room to room or between office and home. And it's all those things you have in the, the top drawer of your desk, um, you know, from the sort of the, the sort of paperclip to the, you know, and it's that. And so you just have it and you open it and it's effectively like your, your top drawer, but just on top of your desk and you can zip it up and take it wherever you are. So oh it's all those delicious things, right? <laughs> I'm literally, I'm going to be dropping a fortune with you very, very soon. This is making me so excited listening to this. I far you see, you're want, sadder than I me. Far, the two things, I'm now going to invest in those. I'm now literally, I'm, you're changing me. But for me, it's glasses, which you obviously, you have a pair of very standout glasses, and as do I. Glasses, and now this, the home office and the everything pouch. I mean... This is this is going to change my life because it's so well thought out. But Anya, you, I mean, I've never seen you, I don't think, or a photograph of you kind of in a, like a ball gown. You, you dress in quite an androgynous way, which I love and I wish that I could do, but my boobs get in the way and I just look pregnant. <laughs> but um, how would you say your style is? Well, I'm not very good at the ta-da moments. I don't like that. I don't like being noticed mm. for my clothes first. Um, and, um, and in fact, I'm actually quite a shy person. I don't, I'm not very good at that. Um, but I, I, that's why I like accessories because they're a sort of small, nice kind of, um, nod towards what interests you. It's almost, we always talk about conversational clutches, you know, these little pieces of art that are kind of fun that show who you are, but I, I don't always want to, I'd rather be sort of noticed slowly and then hopefully appreciated as opposed to she's arrived in the room, you know, and, and I always admire people who can do that big ball gown thing. It's not, not very me. Um, so you kind of work out what's you after a while, you know, when you feel comfortable and you sort of those, when you put on those outfits and you're sort of slightly kind of not, you know, you're sort of not happy uh, versus those outfits you put on, and you forget that you're wearing them, but you just feel the best version of yourself. And that's, I think what clothes should do really. Um, so ultimately by, by 53, you've kind of worked out your style, haven't you? More or less, hopefully. I'm still trying to work it out. To be honest. <laughs> Rubbish. Um, but Anya, um, have you ever had a wardrobe malfunction or are you just simply too anal to have had a wardrobe mal malfunction? Uh, no, I'm definitely um, uh, loads. I mean, you know, I think I think for me, the thing that's um, important is actually comfort. I think there's nothing worse than, um, than feeling or seeing someone who's wearing something that's that's being worn by the, the outfit or you know, you can see it's pinching, it's uncomfortable, or they're having to hold their tummy in, and just not, the whole thing's an effort, I, I hate effort clothes, and um, for me, funny enough, I'm sort of, I find, I love occasionally wearing heels, but not, not all the time, and I hate that thing when you're sort of tottering, but I particularly hate that thing, and there was one evening in Paris when I had a very beautiful pair of new shoes, and it was, we were doing some big launch at Colette, that amazing store in Paris, and it was like standing on a knife, literally, it was, absolute agony and if that doesn't show in your face um and they just were really badly made they were they were just you know it was really painful and actually i remember literally walking through paris having taken them off and thinking to hell with i'm just gonna walk walk at my bare feet on the way home but that's unfun isn't it and i think that actually there's nothing less cool than than um, being mm. sort of worn by clothes that don't that aren't either aren't comfortable or or you don't feel yourself in um so yeah uncomfortable heels i, I couldn't agree more i i, I haven't yeah I, I can't even stand in a pair of heels now, let alone walk in them. Yeah, the, the worrying thing about heels is they were developed apparently because men were attracted to women looking vulnerable and sort of tottering and sort of therefore, and that's quite dark, isn't it, when you think about it? Um, and mm. I know they do elongate a, an ankle and a, a leg, which is quite elegant, but it, we've all been sort of brainwashed into that in a way. Um, and actually, I think once, you know, the, the joy of putting on a sort of really cool pair of trainers and being able to race around the office all day and get stuff done, 
uh, and not thinking oh, I won't walk home because actually I'm I'm you know in, in heels is it's a shame really so I don't know I mean they're beautiful I love them I love them as things as a, a bit of craftsmanship but I think um we need to make sure that they they they're fit for purpose yeah absolutely and then um final ish question Anya birthday suit is there anything is there other any kind of one outfit that you okay you're kind of at a loss I don't know what the hell I'm gonna wear I've got to go and do x I'm feeling insecure I'm having one of my moments I'm going to wear what would that be it's so clear to me I have a um a beautiful um Aussie Clark dress which was probably made therefore in the 60s um, which I bought secondhand. It was quite expensive, actually, because it's a sort of design classic. Um, it's incredibly simple, but it's beautifully cut. Every time I put it on, I feel completely me and I feel completely great. And I always have a great time. And actually, I think it's going to be really important going forward that we have a sort of badge of honour for outfits that we've worn, you know, a hundred times. We should all be kind of, this is my 98th time I've worn this dress because actually that's completely appropriate and that is my dress and that's my go-to if ever I need that sort of confidence boost or um you know it just makes it it's just, it's just me that dress but I'm also super proud of the fact that I've you know I will and I have mended it already and will keep mending it and it was already secondhand and I hope that beyond me it'll go back into circulation and be loved again so um that will be my 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 piece and and I'm really glad that it's it's also old what color is the dress black actually but I've actually got the exact same dress oh, also it? Okay. in a mint green. I have two of them. I love them to death. I'd like to be buried yeah, in them, actually. so nice. I just say that I love my children. Can I be buried in my Aussie Clark dress, please? <laughs> okay, well, let's take, we'll take note of that. Thank you. Um, and then we've had this kind of weird, I interviewed Emma Barnett. She does Woman's Hour now and, and Newsnight. She's fantastic. We, we just made this throwaway comment about, we were talking about pyjamas, and she said that she wore knickers under her pajamas and I was like what <laughs> why the hell do you wear knickers anyway it started it's now this sort of thing that's gone viral and I was wondering if you're a knicker person or a no knicker person under your pajamas I'm a definite no knicker person sorry Emma I'm not in her camp I'd like to be in Emma's camp on that front but but no sorry to let you down Emma mm, yes same all right my love well listen Anya I really appreciate your time and um, congratulations with everything. The village is, I'm yet to get down. I haven't been to London for so long, but it's such a wonderful concept. And, um, and I wish you all the luck with your book and may it stay in the top 10. If in doubt, <laughs> wash your hair. I'm going to take your advice because I haven't washed my hair for months. <laughs> take care. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you, Anya. You can find the absolutely wonderful, if in doubt, wash your hair in bookshops on and offline right now. Okay, before we go, we'd love hearing from you. And it's so easy to drop us a line by emailing us at help at mywardmail.com. Who do you think would make a great guest in a future episode? What could we be doing better? Or are we just perfect as we are? Do let us know. You can also find us at mywardmail.com. Follow us at mywardmail and it would make us so happy if you kindly subscribe, rate and review us on your chosen podcast platform. While you're at it, please check out our heavenly house band duo at duoguitarmusic.com or at duoguitarmusic on their socials. Well, that's it for season seven. Thank you so much to Anya and all our glorious guests and duo. And of course, thanks to you for listening. Catch up soon. Have a great summer. And until then, my wardrobe is officially closed. Hold up. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.